हम एक बार जीते हैं एक बार मरते हैं शादी भी एक बार ही होती है प्यार प्यार भी एक ही बार होता है ये राहुल ने बोला था कुछ कुछ होता मैं और मैंने मान लिया था तो मेरी पहली जो गर्लफ्रेंड मुझे लगा था मैं उसके साथ हमेशा के लिए रहूँगा शी लेफ्ट मी बट द सेकेंड गर्लफ्रेंड दट आई गॉड आई मैरिड हर बिकॉज मेरी जिंदगी का सार जिस आदमी ने मुझे दिया है थ्रू दैट लाइन इज एक्चुअली करण जौहर समन आई ग्रेटली इनक्रेडिबली एडमायर एंड हुज मेड अूज ह्यूज इम्प्रेशन मी इन माई लाइफ एंड आई एम सो या प्रिवलेज प्राउड एक्साइटेड टू हैव ऑन द शो विद मी टुडे करण थैंक यू थैंक यू सो फॉर बींग ऑन डी मैन थैंक यू सो ग्लैड यू गॉट फाइनली गॉट मैरिड या तो जेन्यूनली मुझे मैं हमेशा सब लोगों को ना बड़े होते भी यही बोलता था कि जो है ना दिस इज द लाइन और मुझे पता है कि एक ही बार प्यार होना एक ही बार बोलता है तो वेन मैन माई फर्स्ट गर्लफ्रेंड डिड नॉट वर्क आउट अलॉट माई फ्रेंड सेट बट ये तो गलत है फिर इट डजेंट मेक एनी सेंस क्योंकि एक ही बार होता है बट मैंने कहा कुछ कुछ दो बार हुआ था सो इट एक्चुअली मेक सेंस यू नो द फर्स्ट टाइम इट डज नॉट वर्क आउट द सेकंड टाइम इट वर्क आउट बट एक्चुअली दैट लाइन आई मीन कंप्लीटली टू लाइक नॉट you know shatter everyone's like nostalgia and love for that film but actually that line makes no sense and it is not applicable to the narrative of that film at all because he says hum ek hi baar jeete marte to chalo theek hai uh usme koi zyada gyani wali baat hai nahi it is the truth of life ek baar shaadi karte hain ek baar pyar karte hain do baar unhone shaadi ki do baar pyar bhi ho gaya to i was like what was i thinking why did i write this how was it with so much then i realized ke ek word hota hai conviction ab uske sath kabhi chale jate ho chahe wo prem kahani mein ho personally or in cinema you go with that conviction and i think that the journey will end well yeah i know i absolutely agree mai itna bolna cha raha tha ki your lines have actually made such a huge impact on me and my life mm. my marriage in many ways is because of a philosophy that you give okay. and and i want to uncover aapke thoughts on love on masculinity and lot more but first i want to start with uh, uh, your boyhood so this is a memory box so to speak oh, wow. and uh, uh, if you if there's something over here that strikes you as a memory that you had and i think you may have uh perhaps you can talk a little bit about oh, it oh wow uh these are the tickets of dilwale dulhaniya le jayenge um in many ways this is my only training ground yeah. everything i learned about uh filmmaking about narrative structure camera performance whatever which was not technically i was always 0 on 10 when i started yeah. but um adi chopra had a lot of faith in me he had a lot of faith that i would be a filmmaker i didn't have that faith in myself um you know i really believed that i was like i inequipped to be in the movie industry um i didn't think i had the talent or the personality for it and my parents were equally worried because i was a very very shy yeah. uh, introverted uh, nobody will believe that now but very shy introverted very uh, scared to be around people because i was an exceptionally effeminate child yeah. and i was overweight yeah. so i combated many of those uh, issues as a child uh, you know because whenever i went out to play a sport i was made fun of because i ran funny or yeah. my hand gestures were not yeah. what boys called like you know you like the word in the 80s was pansy yeah. um uh so today what you call gay or fag or homo said with in a derogatory tone it was called pansy in those days yeah. and it was a word that you know literally had really pushed me into a shell because every time i went out any time i attempted to be on the field maybe try and play football or basketball or cricket 
not that I was physically adept for it anyways, but also my body language was made fun of. Mm. Uh, so therefore, I had gone into a shell, become so introverted that I didn't feel like the movie industry was something that I would ever be a part of. Yeah. It was only when I met Adi again, we were childhood friends, we met again. But uh, not cousins. We are not cousins at all. We're not related. <laughs> we're related only by love. Um, and he's my mentor because he looked, got really close to me, got really friendly with me and told me that, you've got to stop doing everything else. And I was on my way to France to, to do one year more of French. My father had a tiny import-export business. So he said, if you learn French, it'll help my business. My mother was insistent that I get into some business because she didn't think... My father had made uh, quite a few films that had failed. Mm-hmm. So she was like, you know... Papa ka business achhani chal raha chhota bahut ye ye import export ka business hai ye kam 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 kar lo papa bolte french zyada seekh lo to you know kaam aa jayega to i said theek hai to i was going and adi stopped me two weeks before and my father had paid up about 7 lakhs of rupees which was a lot of money yeah. in uh, 1993 yeah. um and uh, he just said that uh, just leave it all become an ad don't run away from it you're a filmmaker and i said i think you're mad but he said think about it this, this is your calling you've also helped me in the writing process of dilwale dulania you feel so attached to it yeah. uh next morning much like the scene that kajal has in dilwale with amrish puri where he says mujhe where she says mujhe apni zindagi ka ek mahina de dijiye i had that same scene which is where i think adi got that scene from <laughs> where i asked my father ke aap mujhe meri zindagi ka ek saal de dijiye main assist kar lunga aur agar mujhe laga ki ye mere liye nahi hai to aap jo chahe wo aap jo kahe main wohi karunga my father was a very large hearted man and and he thought that i was like literally the best looking most talented gorgeous person on planet earth yeah. because he really was obsessed with me and i think i took a little advantage of that and he agreed my mother sat with me for a month and i went on to the sets of dilwale dulhaniya le jayenge not knowing where my journey was going to lead and uh, this film is everything to me i have more mer- memories of dilwale dulhaniya than i have of kuch kuch or kabhi khushi or any other film i've directed because this is a film that literally started it all for me my my conviction that i will be a filmmaker my relationship with shahrukh khan kajol and of course uh, the chopra family that engulfed me as family and like i'm here because of these tickets sold yeah. <laughs> i'm literally here because of these tickets sold so yeah that um madonna <laughs> so you know there was a phase where much like all the other kids in my uh, class the walkman culture was very predominant sab walkman pe you know uh, gaane sunte the aur archie's art gallery ke yahan wo books milte the jahan lyrics hua karte the in angrezi gaano ke to wham you know madonna these were everyone's icons so many of unko bhi apna fake icon bana diya tha to much as i have regard and respect for her talent i was actually a closeted lata mangeshkar fan but i would project madonna because i was like it's the cool thing to say right but all i wanted to do was to hear lagja gale yeah. all i wanted to was hear tujhse naraz nahi yeah. hairan hu main yeah. all i wanted to do but i didn't want to be uncool so i pretended till a point i stopped acting yeah. then i went back to lata ji and i was like i'm sorry my walkman will only play hindi film songs yeah. and i will hear kishor kumar lata mangeshkar Rath, rafi uh, mohammad rafi and madonna ko maine toodles tab keh diya tha with with all my respect and regard for yeah. her she and wham uh, all these you know were all people wake me up before you go go was my go to song like at any party i would pretend like i i know the steps and yeah. think that george michael was my icon yeah. nahi the yaar kishor kumar lata mangeshkar i was fake it and frauding it to the whole world 
it, it's so interesting, Karan, that uh, you know the icons that you had. Yeah. Even though you've said that, you yeah. know, there were there was a certain impression that the world had of you and society had of you yeah. because of the kind of kid you were. You did not ever try to find, so to speak, you know, traditional masculine icons or masculine ideas around you to show the world that you are also trying to fit in. I mean, you know, uh, uh, the thing is that the one thing that I never did was lie to myself or pretend to the world. Um, I may have tried to fit in, but that was more with pop culture. Okay. Um, I never pretended to be a huge cricket fan and to say that Gavaskar and Kapil Dev are my heroes. I know they were national heroes and the world loved them. But I was obsessed with Guru Dutt's movies. Yeah. I was obsessed with Yash Chopra's movies. I was obsessed with Raj Kapoor's movies. I was obsessed with Rishi Kapoor and his sweaters. Yeah. You know, and how to tell people at that time, I grew up in a South Bombay neighborhood that didn't know much about Hindi cinema, yeah. that I love Rishi Kapoor. Like, I'm obsessed with Rishi Kapoor. Like, he's my... He's actually my pin-up boy. But he had to act in the to act cool. At one point, when I turned 14 or 15, I dropped the guard, you know, and I was like, Yar, main ye kar rahu. I wasn't yet able to understand um, my orientation or yeah. like what I was representing. It was those th thoughts I didn't have. But I knew I was drawn to very different things from the other boys in my neighborhood or my class. Yeah. I was very different from them, you know, and uh, therefore I was drawn towards becoming friendlier with lots of the girls, yeah. which was misunderstood by my father who thought that I was a chick magnet, where <laughs> actually it was only girls who were talking to me because I was funny and campy and, sure. and you know, I felt comfortable with them. Yeah. So even at school, um, I was more debate, elocution, uh, yeah. drama, stage. Yeah. I was known for those things. I never took part in any sport, yeah. but I made my name in those you know, so I was very popular in school, but because, yeah. not because of any sport, because yeah. um, I never made it post the heats uh, in any sport. Uh -huh. Like, you know, I tried long jump, kuch nahi hua. I tried running. I thought that I was running so fast, so fast. But I was running in my mind. Actually, on the field, I was 0 yeah. on 10. But I made it up with other stuff. You and me both, Karan. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I, uh -huh. I saw when, when K3G came out, I saw Laddu uh -huh. and uh, who turned into Ritik Roshan. And that scene, actually, yeah. <laughs> after not being able to tie shoelaces is me. In fact, the only time I got a whack for my mom was yeah. because at age 12, I couldn't tie my shoelaces. Uh -huh. And you know, why I couldn't tie them? Yeah. Because I couldn't bend. My thing is my stomach was coming in the way. So I used to just have somebody, it was ridiculously spoiled to me and I was just, food was my solace, was my best friend. Um, you know, there used to be a lady in South Bombay called Azra Goryawala and uh, she used to make this chocolate cake. Um, and everybody in South Bombay knows about this Azra Goryawala chocolate cake. In fact, they have a store in Tardio right now, I think. She's yeah. no more, but I think the family runs the business. The chocolate cake is the best chocolate cake anyone will eat in yeah. the world. Um, I used to call her and say, Auntie, it's my birthday, can you send me the cake? And she would send me the cake and I would yeah. sit in my room and eat that one kilo cake on my own. Yeah. Uh, till she called my mom one year and she said, uh, Mrs. Johar, your son has ordered four birthday cakes this yeah. year. You know, <laughs> it can't be possible <laughs> for, his own birthday. for his own birthday. <laughs> and it was written, happy birthday. Can you imagine this visual of a one kilo cake that says, happy birthday, Karan, and me eating it all alone? It was because chocolate or chicken makhanwala and butter naan and Chinese food from Chinese room, yeah. uh, Indian food from Shalimar Kemp's Corner. Yeah. It was like these were my go-tos. I used to get happy thinking that I will go home and then I will ask this from the WIA club. You know, it was just food. It was because I was running away from other things. Yeah. So food became my companion, my solace, my support. And you didn't have therapy or you know, you didn't have words like mental health. For you to even understand what you may be going through with your body, no, what was... you may be going through in your life. 
there was no help yeah there was no such thing as counseling uh, there was no they, you had to kind of just um you had to kind of really help yourself um in many ways that was the only way i knew uh i couldn't talk to friends about the fact that you know i have different thoughts in my head from what the conventional thoughts are i couldn't talk to um this is not to say that i didn't have a fantastic childhood as well sure. because this might be the dark side and we have this is the harm side but there was the hushy side as well there was my parents who had a great relationship there were friends i had a great time with there were trips i went on with my friends i was always you know like funny and self deprecating and people enjoyed my company and i enjoyed being with people um i used to love going to uh, you know the movies that was my big thing so i had so many happy joyous moments as well mm. i have to say that while my childhood was full of a lot of dark insecurities and questions mm. it was also full of a lot of exclamation marks as mm. well that came with a lot of the joy that i experienced uh these photos uh, i'm so happy in all of them um i'm just happy uh because i was happy because of my mom and my dad and the love they gave me and the fact that i was the only child i was the center of their attention yeah. um and uh, i had a really great relationship with my father um many boys have combated their uh, issues uh they have daddy issues and father issues my father was like he was everything he was my idol he was um he would just made me like feel so special every time i came home uh with so many insecurities in my head he would make me feel like i was a prince i was to the manner born where we didn't have a manner and i would be have the privilege uh that people speak of now it was ironical but he made me feel so good he would like to say he would look at me and say ke thoda puppy fat hai chala jayega warna tu to hero lagta hai and i was like you know my mother would roll her eyes thinking like you know what is he saying and he was like kal se tu horse trading kar yeah. you know kal se tu dance class pe ja tu hero ban sakta hai tu star banega itna good looking hai itna good look hai and i would like like he's really totally deluded like you know he's just being this gregarious full of love punjabi papa that just saw nothing else in fact my mother contrary to a lot of other times uh, their mothers that are like a lot more protective and slightly deluded about their children my mother wasn't she was always the one who told me what was wrong my father always told me the wrong thing because he always thought like every way he told me he gave me the wrong advice but uh the day he passed away i remember i felt like i lost my biggest um, support like i lost my biggest supporter i lost my biggest cheerleader like he was my biggest cheerleader like there anything i did it was like whether i got 6 on 10 on a test yeah. or 4 on 10 on a test or a 10 on 10 his reaction was the same yeah. it was euphoric like you're so good you're so bright and so these images and this address uh, 92 acropolis little gibbs road malabar hill bombay 40 uh 6 is uh, embedded in my heart this is my first home i lived here till i was 25 and largely because i have so many memories of my my father in this house um the quality street box is <laughs> a funny story that was again related to my uh overeating issues yeah. um so you know those days papa used to go to london and quality street was the gold standard of chocolate there used to be a big plastic box it was sealed on the side like this like you know this is sealed like this has scotch tape it was sealed but in plastic but you could see through all the chocolates and ye to dabba hai wo plastic tha to sab kuch dekh sakte the to main ek ek aisa ek aisa nikalta tha finger ke sath and tiny has to go in and take one chocolate out and i did this bar bar lagatar for many days and my finger had got was bleeding because of the process One day, my mom, a month later, decided to offer these quality street chocolates to yeah. some friend. She went, and the khali, itna bada dabba tha, plastic ka, khali. Mm. 
Yeah. It was sealed, but it was khali because I had eaten every chocolate in that box. <laughs> that was the, I think, the only one time that my mother got really angry with me and then gave me a long lecture on my weight and uh, and everything. And it was traumatizing. But I went back to eating azra gorya wala the next day, uh, so it didn't really make any difference. Ye kya hai? Is a Valentine's Day cards wanted to. Did you ever give one to someone? Valentine's Day cards. So I pretended to be in love with a girl. Yes. Um, in the 10th standard, she was also head girl. So everybody in the 10th standard was crushing on some girl. Yeah. So I thought that I should join this bandwagon because yeah. now how do I, you know? So I pretended that I was crushing on her and I gave her a card on Rose Day, not Valentine's Day. Sure. And she took the card and then she called me. And actually, maybe she was my first uh, um, <laughs> uh, reality check. Uh, she said, "You didn't really want to give me this rose, did you?" Yeah. And I said, no, I really think you're nice. I like you. She says, yeah, but like you don't want to give me this card or rose. And I thought it was rather evolved of her uh, because I really didn't. So yeah, I have exchanged, uh, but for all the wrong reasons. And obviously, to be cool. Did you ever get a card uh, during growing up? No, I got a lot of uh, raksha bandhan rakhis. <laughs> yeah. I I used to think that was a real thing. Like uh, I got many, maybe my hands were full with rakhis. Um, wow. And I was told that it's not something I should celebrate. But I was very happy because I don't think any girl saw me as a lover or a boyfriend. I was always the brother or the best friend. You know, I was never gave that vibe, sure. and therefore I I gained a lot of like sisters. But there were, uh, you know, not very many of the girls that gave me any gestures of romance or love. I think this was a important moment of your life. This interact club moment is actually the moment that changed my life for me forever. Um, I had lesser known fact. I had gone to a boarding school for five days. So basically, uh, Dimple Kapadia's daughter, Twinkle, who I grew up with, said that she was going to this new era school in Panchkani, yeah. and I felt because I was made so much fun of, and I felt so, um, I felt like I was like the target of jokes, and I felt a little like this world is now caving in on me. I came up with this idea on my own that I'll go to another school, another city, like boarding. And my parents were like, "Why do you want to go to boarding? Like, you know, you're so protected here. Will you be able to manage?" I said, "No." I kept thinking, "New life, new start, new people." So I completely, I gave farewell to everyone, like showing them the middle finger farewell, wala, you know, that I'm going, you know, I'm leaving, you know, you've done a lot for me, you've done a lot for me. Now you have to see, my life will be different. I'm going, leaving everyone, and leaving Salim's gully, literally anarchy disco, and I was like on my way. To Panchkani with like a buoyant feeling, ke nee zindagi, and I went there. And the very first day, I met this uh, guy. His name was Ali. I don't remember his last name. And he met me and at this boarding, and uh, we were at this Kanga House dormitory. And uh, he said that uh, your parents are dead. So I said, no, they are not dead. They are alive. Your father's dead. So I said, no. Your mother's dead. I said, no. They beat you. I said, no. They beat each other. I said, no. So then he looked at me. He said, "Then why are you here?" So wow. I was like, "Oh, I got that." But the shock of my first, like shock, I was like. Subsequently, I realized that I'm away from my parents in this place. I didn't know anyone, and then that first night I got ragged. But they realized I was so vulnerable. They didn't do too much. Yeah. They just put me into the bathroom, yeah. and it was very cold. It was December, and uh, they said you have to spend all night here. And very kindly, they made me just sit in. And I cried, cried, cried. Next day, I cried, cried, cried. Third day, on the assembly, in the middle of the assembly at school, I cried so loudly that the principal got involved, pushed me aside, took me into a room. I said I want to talk to my mother. 
My mother literally called me and said that be strong, be brave. She felt sick, so but my father came. And like Tare Zameen Parna, it was the same school, it was shot in. I saw my father at a distance and exactly like that Darshil Safari, I have run into my father's arms and I kept holding him and the fun, one thing I kept saying was, Papa, take me home, I promise I won't eat. Yeah. That was the first thing that came out of my because I knew food had become such a big part of my physicality. And I said, I won't eat. And he got so teary because he was like, he won't eat. He said, Tu gaadi mein chal. Maine pehli kaata nahi jana. And he took me back. Then my mother, at that point in time, gave me a lecture that stayed in my hand, in my head. She took me aside uh, and she said, I'm very unhappy that my son is so weak, that my son, you know, is cannot do anything. She said, is there anything that you're good at? She says, you, you're not doing anything that makes you feel, uh, makes me and Papa feel like you've done something special, uh, that you are someone special, that you are. She says, I can see you have talents, but you don't hone any of them. You do nothing. You all day, all you do is you come back from school and you eat and then you watch TV or you study and go and sleep. You do nothing else. You don't play a sport. You don't take part in any activities. You have no friends. Um, that point of time, it really stuck with me. It broke my heart into a gazillion pieces. And I used to love the Interact Club, but I was too shy to be a part of it. Because I felt only the cool, well-spoken kids would be part of the Interact Club. So I used to stand outside there many a time. This time I went one step closer. I entered very close to the door and the class was starting. There was a Miss Doris that was conducting that class. And she looked at me and she said, do you want to come in? Yeah. So I said, yes. I went in and she said, okay, today we're playing jam. Just a minute. And everybody has a big bowl. You pick up a topic and everyone says it. So I was the last to go. I was the newest in the club. And uh, everybody came and read. And I literally, and you'll, I kid you not, the topic I got was mom. Wow. And which is the scene in Kuch Kuch Hota Hai. And I was very funny in that one minute. I said many funny things about my mother. I gave a different take. Everybody was saying, You didn't all, make people cry. And no, like I just made people laugh because I was talking about my mother and all the things I do and all the whatever. It was, I don't remember what I said. Everybody clapped at the end of that minute. And Miss Doris looked at me and she said, Well, welcome to Interact Club and I want to see you every Thursday. I was like, okay, done. I was suddenly felt like that was one ek padao. You know, I am in Interact Club. Mein Three weeks later, I was in my class and my name used to never be, nobody knew my name. It used to never, you know, in the school system, people names for whatever reason, whether naughty, whether it's an achievement. My name didn't know anything, Suddenly it was, Karan Johar, you are wanted in the principal's room. I literally, I was like, I went running down to the principal's room and there was Miss Doris sitting and the principal of that time, Mrs. Kiran Bajaj. Yeah. And... Uh, Mrs. Doris uh, looked at me and said, do you know a poem? So I said, um, yes, I do, Highwayman. She says, okay, you and Rohan Arthur, this other student, are going right now to Fort Convent, or not Fort Convent, it was somewhere next to Bombay, some school, where you have to do the preliminary round for the inter-school elocution. Yeah. You and Rohan, because Tapan Mehta has typhoid. Tapan Mehta was the main representative. <laughs> Tapan Mehta can't go, you have yeah. to go. And I'm like, me? I had never been anywhere for anything. So me and Rohan Arthur, who looked a little unhappy that one new representative is coming yeah. now, there's no way that I'm going to yeah. achieve anything. Irony of all ironies is, I enter, the first person I see is a very familiar person. And he looks at me and he said, aren't you Yashankal and Hero Auntie's son? I said, yeah, and you're Yashankal and Pam Auntie's son. So he, I said, he said, yeah, you haven't been to a birthday party in a while. I said, no, I said, which school are you from? He said, Scottish. He's saying, I'm reading out, great dictator. I said, well, I'm doing highwayman. 
So, me and Adi, sitting opposite at two ends of that class, have both gone in the preliminary round. I said highwayman, he said great dictator. Uh, and in many ways, it's uh, very close to our personalities. I'm on the highwayman <laughs> and he is a great dictator. So, we both go and we compete and we both get into the second round, as does Rohan Atha. Um, and second round was the final actually, this was the main uh, thing. Yeah. But the date of the final comes out and uh, Adi looks at me and says, shit, I won't be able to compete with you uh, because it's my uh, exam time, I can't compete, I'll have to say no. I said, oh, how sad and anyway, whatever. I, was, I didn't care what they were competing. I was like, anyway, I final not want to be in the final because there were 80 final. Mein. Uh, Cathedral, Bombay, Scottish, St. Mary's, Campion, BIS, Green Lawns being not even, has never won anything in their life. Anyway. Yeah. Those days, we had to do a written speech for the elocution. And there was like Pearl, Padamsi, Shainaz, Patel. These were the judges. And we went to, that was the Fort Collins School we went to, to do the final, the for whatever the final. And me and sitting there, I had done my speech, done my speech, we've done, we're waiting. So finally, Rohan says, we should leave. So we were trying to leave because Hamara to koi hesiyat nahi thi maa bhaitni ki na kabhi hum jeete te school mein, na kabhi ye, ye, ye desire tha bhi yaad ye, that this idea that one can even win a bronze medal. Yeah. So, but we were leaving and there was a lady said, you can't leave it to wait for the results. Everybody has to wait. You can't. So we went back and sat, you know, waited, waited, waited. Mm -hmm. The results came. Mm -hmm. So that Shainaz Patel and all were announcing. Third prize, some school. Second prize, some school. First prize, they said, Karan Johar, Green Lawns. Yeah. So I was sitting there and Rohan, I just felt Rohan <laughs> kicking me from below. He said, Karan, go, you won. And I was like, Huh? And then I got up and I walked like in 48 frames in a day state. I went there and they gave me It was as big as me. And I'm holding that cup and I don't know what I was thinking. I've come back holding that cup in my hand and I didn't want to leave it. I entered my house and my mother opened the door because it was late by that time. She looked at me and she said, what is this? Was her first question. I said, I got the cup, I got the gold prize. She burst out crying, my father burst out crying, then seeing them cry, I burst out crying. I had never won anything in my life, in my life. The next day, I was in the assembly of the school and Mrs. Bajaj said, uh, for the first time in the history of Green Lawns, we have won into school and it's by a boy from 8B. Karan Johar and I came on stage with this big cup <laughs> and I was like, like and by after that I had become Hrithik Roshan of Karhona Pyare. I had become like Jesse Hrithik Roshan ke debut hua tha na in Karhona Pyare. I had become like that in Green Lawns. Uh -huh. After that my house captain came and said you have to do English elocution, Hindi elocution, drama. I had become like overnight I had become a sensation. Uh -huh. Like I was the best debut of that like 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 season. And then I just it just flipped that interact yeah. club just changed my entire life my personality so much just happened because I won that cup. Yeah, you know, Karan, I, I've always I've seen so many of your interviews. I've read your book as well, and I've always seen how you talk about all your childhood at this point of time with so much, you know, candor and 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 fun and jokes, you know. But of course, when I think of all that you must have gone through, it, must, it would have been very traumatic for you to actually have uh, gone through it. And uh, I know that you've also mentioned that you, you've gone to therapy now, you've had these conversations. Now that you've been able to, you know, with the, with the help of mental health professionals, look back at your childhood. Is there something that you've realized about what you were going through at that time? How did you process it? How did you find a way of loving yourself, so to speak? Uh, so the thing is that uh, the therapy and uh, the psychologist that I visited, um, many years ago and currently also, I mean, I'm in conversation with her um, because I realized that I was getting some kind of like social anxiety, which is an irony for the life I lead. Um, but she also feels very strongly that there's a lot of 
post trauma mm. initially when i went to her in 2016 she felt like i had carried a lot of my childhood baggage into my being into my relationships and i hadn't dealt with a lot of my issues mm. um i haven't learned to still love myself as much as possibly uh the world would imagine that i do or anybody I, again there that i'm some kind of megalomaniac or thinking like i'm like because like i have a lot of body issues even now even now when i step into a swimming pool it can only be at a very private surrounding and that to my towel i will drop at the last minute and jump in so that nobody sees my body i'm not comfortable with my body even now um i'm not i'm but what i'm comfortable with is myself so the moment i wear that black suit it's like my armor the moment i get into fashion yeah. no matter how that's when i found my voice when i realized that i'm going to wear what i want to no matter what people say yeah. like you know people social media will say ye kya pehn raha hai ranveer singh ki ki cheap copy hai ye ya ye kaun se kahan ke ye hello and they call me gejo and they make like all kinds of lewd remarks on my fashion and costumes and all that doesn't bother me because that now i've developed a thick skin for that so the, the thing is it's too because i'm gemini there are two sides of my personality one side is where i wear that fashion or that black suit and i'm in that armor i'm i don't give a damn you put me in front of anyone i'll take any i'll take anything i'll take the trolls i'll take the 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 the, the you know i'll take the flattery or i'll take the insults or the brickbats and the bookies i'll take it all because that's my armor yeah. but the second side of me is that i still have issues with my body i still am not completely confident in my skin so to say um i've combated also uh a long a large time it was also like difficult for me to feel attractive so even for very many years um being like without my clothes in a intimate situation with a person was difficult you know i had to be that lights off person you know because i felt very awkward without my clothes uh that took a while to come to because then suddenly in the last decade i feel i found my voice even there uh so now i feel like what i should have done in abundance in my 20s and 30s i did in my 40s and now very much in my 50s i find m- myself much more um much more in touch with my uh my intimate side now yeah. um i'm more open even even physically um and uh i haven't been in a relationship because i carry a lot of those baggages in that yeah. um i'm not in a relationship right now i've tried and combated some uh it's tough a to b when you're a public figure and you're oriented in in a certain way in the, it's tough to walk holding someone's hand you know um out and about it's not easy but um i found my peace with um a lot of that now yeah. like um i've combated those issues um i'm dealing with some um i'm uh, part of me is the most emotionally sorted person and part of me is an emotional wreck and a mess um there's not a single day that um i don't feel that i still don't have that i don't feel that i wake up completely confident um or completely in control but there are moments in the day where i feel like i can assume it and you know and and so as i said it's a very uh dual yeah. kind of an existence um what the world sees is definitely what i am definitely not um the world and the impression that my talk show has given people about me and i'm not sounding i don't want to say this as a victim or anything but yeah. it's put me in this certain kind of an a in a personality uh, box which i don't think i am at all i feel people don't know me at all 
I think the ones who know me are the really ones who are close to me. Yeah. I feel like, or people have really bothered to kind of understand the layers that lie within. Um, I feel like I come across all wrong. I feel like some of the fashion and the, uh, it's like they really think that this, this is a devil that wears Prada. You know, and uh, they don't see that I, I could be a nice guy wearing Gucci. Yeah. Uh, you know, they don't see that. And it doesn't bother me anymore. Because I feel like eventually, Tera karam hi teri vijay hai. And I feel that your good karma will give you rich dividends. I feel so blessed. Um, I have, I run a studio um, that is now grown from strength to strength. I have the most wonderful friends. I have a mother that is still, who I can still hug and hold. I think I'm blessed with the most beautiful children. Uh, I say beautiful inside. Yeah. Um, they're good kids sent to me by, um, by the universe and my dad perhaps. Um, and I feel like all the other crap that goes on is diluted completely because there's so much good to look at. Yeah. You know, when I see like my mom and my kids and uh, the people I work closely with in my company, uh, I feel like, oh God, this is the blessing, yeah. not the trolls. Not the negativity, not the not me combating my issues. None of that matter when you have this, you know. So I feel like, like I always believe gratitude should be your only attitude. Wow. You know, I feel like nothing else. And I feel like we are not grateful enough in this world. Yeah. I feel everyone only wants to paint a sorry picture or tell you about their traumas, trials and tribulations. What about what you have to be grateful for? Yeah. Um, I feel like we don't give enough emphasis on that. And the only qualities that I live by, uh, Nikhil, are uh, gratitude and loyalty. I don't know anything else. I'm grateful and I'm loyal. These are the two things. No matter whether people have not been grateful to me yeah. or not been loyal to me, it doesn't matter to me because I feel I have to do my karma energy is very important to me. I feel like I'm building those points and I'm really building them. So I'm like waiting to see, every time something good happens, I feel like that's my karma in check. And every time something wrong that happens, I'm like, it's waiting for something good to happen. So, Thank you for that. I, I just want to say that uh, for what it's worth, you looked a million bucks in anything you wear. And that I think every one of us can acknowledge. Karan, I want to also ask you because, you know, the films around us uh, always had this idea of what a man was, right? Uh, you've grown up in the 70s, 80s, you know, we've seen uh, uh, Vijay. Uh, you know, we have seen Mard ko dar nahi hota. We have seen a certain kind of uh, uh, masculine understanding of what should a boy be. And I feel like that's specialized a lot of boys at that point of time to be a certain version of a man. Uh, I want to, I have two questions on this. Was there someone around you, whether it was a man or a woman or any other gender, that uh, made you feel a little bit more comfortable in who you are or, or your body? I think the first person that made me feel that I was okay, was Shah Rukh Khan. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, he was born and brought up in a very progressive environment. He'd come from theater. He had done, worked with all kinds of people. And I think uh, my parents perhaps weren't being able to understand things. And I felt like the feminine side that I had that was coming out so strongly was only met with, um, with laughter or with, um, you know, being... Uh, made fun of. And then when I grew a little older, people got a little more quiet about that. But I could tell that there were, still there was a chitter chatter around, you know, about um, maybe the way I walked or spoke or things. Um, which I remember Shah Rukh Khan was the first kind of like uh, man that didn't make me feel lesser 
for some reason. He made me feel like an equal. I feel like he accepted uh, what in those days were were considered like being a pansy or being effeminate or walking funny and like he was just so cool about it about everything and he was have a lot of open chats with me and i felt like even when i had to say the biggest thing about my personality and and sexuality um i spoke to him first because i felt like he would be that one influence that oh, he was that one sense of support that even he hasn't realized that he has been to me um i feel like indian cinema has painted the most flawed interpretation of what a man should be yeah. um i feel like we are in a more woke world and i don't want to get into that whole lecture yeah. everybody knows it um i say this but the one thing i is i train my children and i train people not to say don't cry like a girl yeah you know a be a be a be a boy like you know fight like what is that it's ridiculous the things that are said to us as children that have defined and made the fabric of like gender the way it is um you don't tell children don't cry like a girl or be a man what does be a man mean like it is the most ridiculous be a man up yeah man up means what man up means raising your hand on a woman that's not being a man Mm-hmm. you know man up is what controlling the 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 stakeholders of your home and along and not wanting your wife to work that's mm-hmm. not being a man man up is what going to the gym that's being a man i mean getting growing like a muscled body with the help of steroids that's being a man mm-hmm. or hitting somebody that's being a man this is all rubbish that has been trained into people's heads i'm like luckily for me i was raised by very evolved women my mother and my aunts were very strong women uh so i've always had a very strong my feminine side has also lent itself to me being a feminist i was always i'm a proud feminist yeah. i'm all about the women and i in fact while men may mean many other things to me in this world but i'm not i'm not blind to their not flaws but their i think their defects that society has given them so um ironically i blame brain just the upbringing because i feel you got to train your your male child the way you would train your female child yeah. i mean you have to have no disparity there uh the fact that we raise our boys and girls very differently there lies the first problem i have a living example of a boy and a girl at home yeah. and i'm raising them in the same they're both in taekwondo they're both in football awesome. they're both in ballet they're both in dance they both wear pink they both have very equal upbringings that's my way of contributing to the fabric of our society to answer your question yes it was for sharuk and it still remains sharuk that's amazing i just want to i would love to know if you would like to share that what did he say to you it's what he didn't say but really it's not what he said yeah. it's what he didn't bring up he it's what he he normalized wow. when i sat funny or walked funny or did or uh, said campy things he laughed you know he would hang out with me chat with me laugh at my jokes like 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 nikhil it wasn't what he said it's what he didn't say that's, that's all that matters sometimes it's the things you don't say that really really matter to you that's beautiful is is sharukh khan the reason why your first film was our love story given that again you've spoken about your influences being 70s and 80s masala films growing no, up but like love was always the favorite genre right mm-hmm. um uh love was everything because i had grown up loving bobby uh i had grown up obsessing about yash chopra's 
romances, whether it was Chandni or Silsila, Lamhe. Love was everything for me, like a, the, a male-female romance to me, a heterosexual romance to me was <laughs> like my definition of love always in my head. There was no other genre to go with. Shah Rukh, in fact, was the last person I wanted because he hated love stories. He only wanted to be in action uh, films. He didn't want Adi to make Dilwale. He was irritated I was making Kuch Kuch Hota Hai. But then when these films worked, he, he didn't say anything because he was like, you know, Charti Suraj Ko Salaam To, I'm like, ye love story chal rahi hai, to jao. Uske Pathan is him. Yeah. Like he loves Pathan, Jawan. Like these are his movies that he's finally doing that he loves after being in the business for over 35 years. Wow. Uh, no, I'm asking that question also because your father has made these iconic, you know, films. Yeah. Agnipath has a big, big action film at that time. And and the cinema around you always reflected that. So, I mean, I'm also trying to wonder that because it happened for me as well, right? For me, I always used to wonder, you know, why are there no superhero films in India, in Hindi cinema? And then somewhere it just clicked with me that because in Hindi cinema, the Indian boy, Indian man is a superhero in himself. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't need, we don't need a cape. We yeah. are the, the guy in an action film is going hitting and beating. Salman Khan yeah. is a superhero. Exactly, Salman so Khan. So you have Superman, you have Salman Khan. You are the, the, these are superheroes. And if you put, and now Salman and Shah Rukh together is our Avengers. So, so I mean like, <laughs> like we've done it. What are we giving them superpowers for? Yeah. They are anyway bashing up a thousand men. They can yeah. do no wrong. Yeah. They're perfect morally, physically, emotionally, yeah. everything. You're absolutely right. But I, for me, it was always... Uh, that genre really, because Raj Kapoor and Yash Chopra were so ingrained in my system, as was Guru Dutt. Uh, my influences were not as much Manmohan Desai and Prakash Mehra. It yeah. was always these filmmakers. So love had to be my first choice of uh, subject. How, how has your understanding of love changed over the years from what you saw your parents share, you know, for each other and for you? And then, of course, what you've done in your films and what love is today. What would you say has been your change and evolution in the understanding of love? Oh, uh, I think uh, love at one point was a duty or a responsibility. You were obliged to be in love in your marriage. Uh, it came as an obligation. Those, there was, there were, there was love that, love was also rebellion at one time. Yeah. Because the ones that were not adhering to duty and responsibility were then succumbing to rebellion rebelling against parents or society and getting married. And that was also one kind of love. Then love moved uh, to the perfect popcorn feeling of love, I think in the 90s. Um, this is because of globalization and the Shah Rukh Khanification of love, where everybody was looking for that ideal love, the Raj Simran romance. Uh, the 2000s starts coming to a new general, a new, you know, the advent of the millennial. Yeah. And the millennial came with their own feeling of love. Um, then the dating app era, uh, you know, started and you have Tinder love and you have um, Bumble love and you have all that kind of love. I don't know exactly what love is different to different people and it means different things to different people. But I think what we don't realize and you would know this because you've actively worked with the youth. I find this generation, the perception is that this generation is very detached and has full of options and like they go from swiping left to swiping right and they are a swipe generation. But to me, when I see and meet younger kids, I find that when they fall in love, they're very obsessive. I find there's a lot of dark, grey, obsessive areas of love that most of these young, younger people are combating. I feel there's a lot of angst in this love. There is no longer the roses are red, violets are blue kind of love. This love has become dark. 
it's become very, um, it's become angry, it's become obsessive, it's become stocky, it's become like dark is the word I would use. I don't think we are in a zone of beautiful, pure-hearted, shaped love. I think our love has a lot of turbulence today. Yeah. And I think this generation is very angsty. It's like they want that, that, that angst or they don't feel it's love. The moment there is that feeling of angst, that's when they feel like that love. So it's always about dealing with the angst. So I find every, everyone in love is very angsty. Yeah. And I feel like they're dealing much more with issues of uh, monogamy. Like they're all about like their personality clashes. There's a lot of anger and angst in this generation of love. So I've seen love go from duty to angst and anger. And uh, it's been quite a journey. Karan, do you feel like, like I've always felt, and this is again my theory, that somewhere outside in films that are being made, whether in Korea, whether, you know, in American cinema, etc., uh, films kind of reflect society. But I always have felt growing up from whatever I've observed, that our society reflects our films. Like in India, it's the opposite. We make films and then society starts becoming that. You know, and you can look at examples of, you know, what Tere Naam, you can look Vijay, you can look at, I mean, even the the evolution of the Hindi film hero, as you said, you know, in the 70s, we are fighting uh, society, so yeah. it's Vijay. You know, in the 90s, globalization, so it's Rahul sure. and Raj, right? Like this love that you're seeking because you've, You've gotten jobs. <laughs> you know, the jobs are here, so you need love. But have you realized we have no hero now? Yeah, that, I was now, going to come to that. we have no yeah, hero. I was like the South has given one type of hero. Exactly. Which remained there always. Yeah, they, never, yeah. they never went away. But Hindi cinema has no hero. The hero today is uh, the film. Yeah. And the character has now, now that we've lost our hero and thank God perhaps. Sure. You know, uh, Lord knows that we don't need a hero to be just a male. Yeah. You know, I think your hero can be a woman as well. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's more and more, that's more, it's much more rampant. Uh, I don't think that we need a Vijay to save us. Yeah. Or a Raj to rule our hearts. Um, we don't need that. Now we need our content to be, um, I would say impressionable in a good way. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's healthy to be led by one type of prototype of a person. Yeah. Because when Vijay, is great at that time. He's anti-establishment yeah. and angry. But there is there is a layer of misogyny that runs yeah. through so many of those heroes. And that is not healthy for our society. Uh, because misogyny is not an answer yeah. for development. Yeah. I, when I say equality, I'm not trying to be like some kind of move, start a movement here. Okay. But I think that if we don't deal with everything in a balanced way, we'll never reach a place of equilibrium. Like, I feel like we always were imbalanced with gender. And I feel finally today, cinema is trying to, Hindi cinema is still trying to find its feet. Because I think Hindi cinema suffers from herd mentality. If the South does a certain type of film, we try to do it. Biopics are working, we try and do it. Everything that works somewhere else in the world, we try and do it. Yeah. Superheroes are running somewhere, so we are creating our own. Like, everything is, see, VFX films, we are trying to do. We don't, we have lost our individuality. And I feel like we need to get back to just pure what we call Bollywood and own it. Yeah. Like, you know, I feel like we've stopped that old-fashioned conviction. It's got swept away by so many other things. Everyone's trying to please someone else. Yeah. You know, one filmmaker is either trying to woo the box office or then woo the critics. Then one is trying to do both and lands nowhere. Yeah. Everyone's trying to be someone else. Yeah. If they start being themselves and be true to themselves, they will. Yeah. But to answer your question about society, I firmly believe we are right now not 
following or impressioned or are impressionable by anything. We're just trying to find our feet in cinema. Yeah. Right now, like we don't have any way yeah. of uh, saying that, oh, this cinema is reflecting our society. Yeah. Because Lord knows that some of the films releasing cannot reflect our society. <laughs> the reason I was asking, because you also mentioned that, you know, there is a certain angst in the young generation today. And I wonder that, uh, I'm trying to understand when we've gone from you know, Vijay to, to Rahul and then of course to Sid, you know, and coming of age and, you know, there was a period in between for and a... For a yeah, exactly. So, you know, before that, there was Ayushman and Rajkumar and you had socially conscious film, but now suddenly we have come back again to a certain kind of masala cinema, which is, which, show, which shows masculinity as inherently violent. Hmm. It shows that masculinity as something that coexists with misogyny. But you must understand, Hindi cinemas derive this from the South cinema. This yeah. is not our core being. Yeah. This is our derivation. Suddenly now we are deriving it because KGF and Pushpa are such big hits. Yeah. You know, so suddenly we are deriving it. All this is, and we are deriving it in an inauthentic manner. Yeah. So it's not looking, that's why none of those movies are landing. Yeah. It's because nothing made from Hindi filmmakers. You can't pull, because the South have their own conviction in how they can pull it off. Yeah. And that's their strength. We don't have that strength. Yeah. We don't know what we are doing. I'm telling you, like me included, we're all like like walking around like headless chickens trying to find our feet. Yeah. One foot is in the South, one foot is in, in Bollywood, one foot is in VFX land, one foot is in America. Yeah. We are all over the place. Yeah. Then we are combating, we are thinking that streaming is mainstream success. But streaming success is a different kind of success. Yeah. So, you know, you might think that Mirzapur has worked there. Will it work here? Yeah. We don't know. We are a bunch of confused people right now. But, but in your in your understanding, Karan, why has violence and misogyny made such a big comeback? You know, when it uh, when you went through nineties and, and you know two thousands, and you and you and Adi sir and so many others, Shah Rukh Khan made men vulnerable. You know, we started on that path, and again we've come back to being angry. What's what's happened? Uh, I think it all depends. Also, there's a lot of uh, aggression. That has come um, economically also uh, sure. in our in our economy post COVID. Uh, there's a lot of anger. You can see it on social media. Sure. Uh, anger needs to be vented, so therefore the violence. That's why people may be identified with KGF and because there's a lot of venting. Like those yeah. films also, those characters are venting. I feel they, we don't want to see soft characters anymore, vulnerable. We don't want to see the flawed man anymore because I think every all the man in general yeah. in this country has gone back to being angry again. I think all the emotional training, all the uh, social conscious training has been all diluted by now the anger Correct. that exists. And I said like love is angst, that man, men are angry. It's all resulting in, in this kind of feeling. Uh, the angst is therefore coming across in the cinema that yeah. is working. Yeah. But Hindi cinema hasn't even got the anger right. <laughs> like even Kabir Singh is Arjun Reddy. True. You know, Absolutely. it's not yeah. authentically Hindi. Yeah. Tell me one Hindi film that has got yeah. like that emotion right because we are not being able to. Absolutely. But what we did, nobody else can do. We did Pathan. Yeah. And if Shah Rukh plays Pathan, nobody else can play him like him. Yeah. So that was old fashioned Hindi cinema doing its own thing. Yeah. And we need many more of that. Yeah. You know. So I, I, I want to, I wonder, you know, when you had a Shah Rukh Khan and you know, there's, there's also a book that's come out recently called Desperately Seeking SRK, which talks about how an entire generation of women uh, grew up wanting a man like him. Why do you think that when, when there was, when all the women said we want men like Shah Rukh, still men in our country wanted to grow up to be Salman Khan, so to speak, right? Shah Rukh is always the women's idol, so to, and you know, Salman but was I think the, you're talking about very deeply urban women. 
There okay. is also a tier two and a tier three, and women from various parts of this country then don't resonate with the urban psyche. Okay. So the girls you're talking about who lived in Malabar Hill and Bandra and South Delhi, NRI, um, you know, diaspora girls, but there's a whole lot of women yeah. who are living in totally different strata of society yeah. in this country, and they want different things. Yeah. For them, maybe they would be completely, uh, uh, they would feel very, very intimidated by a Raj or Rahul. Really? Maybe they are comfortable with a Vijay, because that's the training they got from their mothers. Yeah. I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm passing no yeah, judgment yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm just trying to tell you, we kind of annul what a tier two city and a tier three city think. We think our environment is the reality. Yeah. You and I don't live in the real India. Yeah. We and I don't know what really India thinks. You now are out there with Yuva. Yeah. Uh, you've really penetrated like deep pockets of this country. You'd be able to know this. Yeah. That they are not wanting to run onto a train and find a perfect lover. Yeah. You know, they many of them just want to leave their homes. Yeah, absolutely, you know? absolutely. And yeah, many of them, in fact, have more family issues than what is painted in our cinema. Yeah, you know, many of them have angsty homes. That's why they find marriage as a, a release. Yeah. And then they get into that situation. They'd rather be there than at home. Yeah. So it's it's like I think we still haven't paint we still haven't painted the true reality of our nation. It hasn't come through. Cinema, especially my cinema, too, has always glossed over because you know I don't know better. Yeah. You know, and I shouldn't know better. I mean, I should know better, but I haven't been in that environment. Yeah. So I feel like um, while you think that women wanted and Raj and Rahul, that was one section of women in living in one part yeah. of this yeah. country. No, I, I spoke particularly because of the book because the book actually paints a picture. Across economic stratas, you know, Shahrukh came out to be the common aspiration of a certain kind of all kinds of women. Actually, actually right now the industry is desperately seeking Shahrukh Khan. Absolutely, <laughs> and I don't know about the women or the men, but I know that he has become a hero, hero like a savior for the industry. Absolutely, we need him for the box office yeah. right now. Why do you think no other man in the industry has been able to recreate in romance what Shahrukh Khan had done? Have you seen his eyes? <laughs> Have you seen that man's eye? Those man's eyes. I mean, like he could launch a million love battles with those eyes. Like, उन आँखों की मस्ती के मस्ताने हजारों हैं और हमेशा रहेंगे. Those eyes nobody else has. उन्हें भगवान की आँखें हैं. Like he has, he's like he's got खुदा की आँखें. Like when you see those eyes, you feel like you know he could make any human being weak need. Yeah. Man, woman, anyone. It doesn't matter. I mean. He's just like got those eyes. What's up? And there's little bit of those ansu comes in those eyes, and you feel like fida hoga hai. Chalo, aage bado. Pya prem kani shuru hogi. What have you personally learned from Shahrukh Khan about love? Uh, I think uh, large-heartedness. I think love should be large-hearted, and I think he's very large-hearted about about his expression of love, um, his giving and transference of love. Um, I think that you can't be small-hearted if you have to have a big love story. So I feel like you have to have like a a a, a completely large heart to really be all heart. That's that's beautiful. I also I also often wonder how I mean again I'd love your perspective on this. How do you think Karan we went from Shahrukh Khan to so to speak sending nudes in like one generation? Because uh -huh. I felt like that was 
Quite I, quick. Because I think the time that you loved Shah Rukh Khan, you didn't have a mobile phone. Uh, <laughs> or you didn't have a mobile phone. You didn't have a smartphone. Yeah. And you definitely didn't have this, uh, you know, you didn't have a vanish mode on your phone. Yeah. And you didn't have like, like Snapchat. And you didn't have any of that. So I think all that came in later. Uh, I feel like the, the, the era of Shah Rukh Khan, the era of love was pure, innocent, digitally free. Yeah. Social media irrelevant and completely just enough time for you to express, communicate, feel and love. Yeah. Um, I feel today our love is just in one box, but we have 10 other boxes that fill in so many other parts of your day. Yeah. Do you feel, I mean, I've heard this being said from a lot of young people now that it's far easier to find sex than to find love. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah, of course it is. Sex is the, the completion of your desire. You know, and I think desire, there is a lot of people that who want to help you achieve your desire and you want to help your own desire and you can find, desire finds a very large market. Um, love is a limited edition. It's not in stock yeah. the way desire is. Uh, I think desire is in, in oversupply. Uh, but like love is very limitedly in supply. So I think that Therefore, you just find it's so easy to kind of achieve your desire. Mm. But how do you achieve your love? It's very well said. And I, and I wonder, because it's so difficult to achieve love, is, it, is, it, is that the reason why men in our country are looking for pain more than love, so to speak? They, they feel like that one part of their DNA is satiated with that feeling. We you know the Channa Meria part Correct. of you, you relate to it, that one part that can be fulfilled by love. Yeah. When you don't find it, then you give it pain. Yeah. Because uh, you find love in pain. Uh, but it's not in, entirely uh, good for you because pain is pain at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. You know, while many people romanticize the idea of pain, but the ones who truly feel it, it's not a healthy feeling. Yeah. Do you think, uh, I mean, again, through our course of our Hindi films, we've had all of these... I've always observed in Hollywood, the rom-coms are always about the women, you know, and, and them having, trying to find the man in their life. And over here, it's always about the man, again, a man in pain, the man yeah. crying in pain and saying all of these, singing these sad songs and, yeah. and talking about how they'll kill themselves for love. Yeah. Why is it that, you know, we are not able to make cinema around men who are happy to either let go or to move on or to be comfortable with who they are and, you know, try to find someone else for that matter? As in, uh, why are men not... Like our cinema is yeah. all, is, is, is a uh. lot of men who are unable to deal with rejection or like ek tarfa pyar, in so, the, so to speak. Or just pain is, is what, you know, intense pain is what they kind of talk about. So I just, I'm wondering that why do you feel like our cinema is not able to portray a certain kind of masculinity that is happy to let go, that is happy to say, you know what, if you're happy this way, I'm, I'm going to be happy my way. I don't know, I think people are scared to try it. I think uh, when you land up making a large-scale love story uh, or film about uh, characters, you know, um, that are like in a setting of a large mainstream movie, I think that you are very scared to experiment. Mm. Um, I remember many years ago, Shakun Batra directed his first film called Ek Me Aur Ek Tu. I love it. And in the end, they don't get together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that was not considered very commercial. It was considered, why didn't they get together? You know, it would have been a bigger hit. Um, who knows the reality? I thought it was brave to end like that. Uh, many a time, like, it would lovely to be a, see a love story like Blue Valentine. 
um, or like a love story like a Revolutionary Road. Uh, we just don't like to see the gray in our love stories. We like it to be black and white. Black being the, the black in this case being the uh, conflict and the white being the res resolution. Yeah. Uh, the gray is very rarely tapped into. Mm -hmm. And I feel love is all about the gray. There are literally 150 shades of gray in yeah. love. Yeah. And uh, I feel like if you tap into the gray, you'll tap into the real realities of love. Mm -hmm. But cinematically, I think people take the safe route always because they're so worried of failing. When you look back at your own filmography, which film of yours do you feel uh, most accurately showcases who you are in love? Edil. Yeah? Uh, not because it shows me in love, but I know what like heartbreak and what unrequited love can feel like. Yeah. So it was a true reflection of what my feelings were. Uh, when I went through an unrequited love story, that film is very true to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. If commercial sensibilities weren't a consideration, Karan, would you still make the same love stories that you've made or would you do something different? I don't, I mean, some of it you manipulate for commerce, some songs, scale. But I would have made these films yeah. irrespective. This is, it's come from my DNA as a cinegoer, as a filmmaker, as a storyteller. Um, I, I, I don't know, if you give me any material, I think I might have a commercial treatment, so to say, because that's the treatment I know. Yeah. Like, even when I was making short films, I took a tone of my tone only, whether it was yeah. Love Stories or Bombay Talkies. I, I tried to make it little tonally to match the Bakar Zoya and Anurag because I thought, you know, I don't want to stand out as being like the filmy guy in the middle of this yeah. very aesthetic setting. Uh, but I, I don't think I know a syntax that is any different from what I've done. And when you look back, you know, at all the films that you have done, do you think that you would have showcased or you know, had men and the male characters done any differently when now yes, that you have? I mean, absolutely. I think Shah Rukh is a, the gender politics of Kuch Kuch Hota Hai, very flawed. Um, you know, uh, you know what, I mean, he liked the, the hot girl <laughs> and the, the best friend who he loved, but she was because she was not so-called hot, yeah. he didn't. And then when she became hot, he went in love with her. It was like, the gender politics are all wrong there, yeah. you know. So I would actually never want to do that again. Because yeah. that was also me just being impressionable by Hindi cinema and not by the gender politics of the world that were yet like it was it was new to me like I didn't yeah. know it I was only trained by Hindi cinema I thought stalking is romance yeah. till I was told stalking is talking and you know you can yeah. actually lead to like terrible things as a result of stalking you know one didn't know better like Hindi cinema trained my mind at least yeah. but in Rocky and Rani I saw that it's a it's a it's a very feminist film yeah. it's a film where you, you've said somewhere earlier which I found a very interesting quote that in, in in Hindi cinema at this point of time, it's you can't have a film that is about masculinity and a film that is about women's agency in the same film. Yeah. You've said that there'll always have to be a, one women-led film and one masala film. Yeah. But I felt in Rocky and Rani, you actually had them both together. You had yeah. like a film which had this mainstream commercial sensibility and then you also had uh, this empathy running to it. You yeah. know, you had... And one of my favorite scenes in that film is, is when Rocky uh, speaks about... Um, the fact that, you know, how would he have known any better? Yeah. You know, do you feel like as a society, we can do more? I feel like um, while there is a very, there's a lot of positives to the woke world yeah. and to the liberal thought process, uh, we need it more as a society. I also feel there's a cancel culture that, that we need to address. Yeah. And I think that particular scene addresses the cancel culture because he's like, if you keep canceling everyone, 
there will be no growth there will be no knowledge yeah. there will be no understanding of what is wrong and right um there are so many men who don't know better because they've been trained in their parenting process or in their upbringing to be a certain kind of person they don't know stuff and rocky um uh, is very much that guy who admits that i don't know better yeah. Yeah. he says things in that uh, monologue uh which are actually going to resonate hopefully um or, or right now it's meant to be released which has resonated <laughs> with so many uh um uh male members of an yeah. audience it's only because i believe it myself because i've been a victim of it like where i've been cancelled for some of my gender politics yeah. uh or some of the instances in my movies i remember there was a journalist who called me after edil um and said why did he push anushka yeah in my head she was right that he was using he was being physical with her yeah. which is incorrect but i looked at it as two buddies who were comfortable with each other and it was wrong Yeah. So I wouldn't do that again and I was called on it but I was like I was cancelled on that right yeah. but I'm like if she had just explained it to me better I would have understood which anyway she kind of did so I was semi cancelled so to say <laughs> but like I get it now but I feel like even while you want to cancel you also know that if you keep cancelling yeah. um you'll never be able to kind of teach yeah So do you think that I mean again with regards to what you're teaching your son right now do you think that there is a possibility of a world with a sort of kinder version of masculinity with with in I the way so. that we are doing I see our, it already yeah? in the kids that are growing because I see the parenting being so much more sensitive um it really all generates down to how you raise your children things you say at home um conversations you have amongst with each other I feel like it all finally lands up being the most important component in generations ahead. It has to be your parenting. Yeah. Um and there is no rule book for parenting. There is no one way of parenting. There is no 100 kind of do's and don'ts of parenting. Just know that whatever you say sets a mindset for your child and that child will grow with that state of mind. Yeah. So if you are abusive in the house you are subjecting your child to abuse yeah. if you say incorrect things your child will absorb that yeah. if you if you show uh privilege and express privilege yeah. your child will be raised with that privilege mindset if you show any kind of, of racial commentary any kind of statements made that could be you know against the fabric of secularism all that will go into your child's head yeah. So things you say are very critical. Every word that utters that comes out of your mouth has to be something that is for the good of your child. And now while I'm painting the most beautiful picture of parenting, it's tough because people go through what they go through at yeah. home. But you know your child is watching, experiencing everything you're going through. Yeah. You're sad your child knows it. They just know it. So you know that you have to you have to kind of make sure that your child and his or her relationships are nurtured very efficiently by you without being controlling but yet being watchful yeah that's lovely my last question to you is uh, um, i've seen now over the last we've all seen over the last few years there has been a, a certain kind of cinema that is trying to normalize homosexuality as well yeah. there is badhai do which is just absolutely such a beautiful film there yeah. was shubh mangal zyada savdhan there was ek ladki ko dekha Do you think that as a country now with what's happening with the Supreme Court also with 377 we are also going to be able to have uh, normalize homosexuality on screen Well I think it's the beginning of yeah. a very long road ahead uh but I'm glad that we are on the road on the right path 
I'm glad that homosexuality in cinema is not something that is now presented in a form of uh, a joke uh, or a form of a character that that is providing like crass humor. Um, I myself made a film, but I I thought that I at least brought it to dining table discussions. Dostana was my endeavor to the first time bring the concept of homosexuality in the mainstream. There was a certain section that understood that, a certain section that criticized it for actually, you know, bringing humor to it. But I felt very strongly that I had actually brought the issue out to yeah. discuss. I addressed it in a Bombay Talkies. We addressed it in Kapoor and Sons. Yeah. Uh, Time and again, uh, at Dharma, we have tried to kind of uh, address homosexuality. And I think um, the most interesting depiction has been in Neeraj Ghevan's uh, short, yeah. uh, Ghili Puchi, prior to that uh, in Kapoor and Sansur Shakun Batra. Yeah. So at our end, we're trying to not normalize it, but to definitely do it the right way. Yeah. Hopefully, there are many such films that get us to normalize sexuality in cinema. Yeah. And sexuality itself uh, gains from the depiction of, of various stories told uh, through the right lens in cinema. Yeah. Thank you so much, Karan. This was, this was absolutely this was emotional. This was uh, uh, beautiful. But before we go, I want to do a very quick, because it's you and, you know, you do a rapid fire. So, of, of course, we have to do one. But this one's like a wholesome one. Okay. You know, we do, uh, with everything that we do at UR, we try to kind of try and make it as wholesome as possible. Right. You have to give me names of men around you or in your life that, that fit this platitude. A man you find really sensitive. Uh, Shah Rukh Khan, very sensitive. A man you have seen evolve and grow over the years? Varun Dhawan. Yeah? Yeah, I've seen him being a kid to now a responsible husband and man. Uh, the warmest hugger? I would say still Shah Rukh Khan. Biggest Pathan yeah. hug you get. Wow. A man whose uh, hard work you admire a lot? Hrithik Roshan. Yeah? Very hard working. He works on himself and his craft a lot and all the time. Yeah. A man who's a very warm caregiver to Yash and Ruhi. Amrit. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah. An actor who showcases masculinity on screen in a beautiful way. And I know Shah Rukh Khan is one. Uh, but is there anyone else? Uh, Amir. Yeah. Do you really feel so? I think he's always been... Uh, his, his gaze on masculinity has never compromised on what the commercial outcome can yeah. be. But also, whether it was Rangde Basanti, Dangal, Lagan, uh, Three Idiots, I think his gaze on masculinity has always been just right. Wow. I think it comes from his the strong women in his life. Wow. A guy who's forever giving main character energy. I don't know this term, main <laughs> character energy. Someone who just feels like they're the main character of their lives and everyone else's lives. So to speak, a poo from uh, oh, K3G, but yeah, like... A male Karina Kapoor. Yeah, a male Karina Kapoor, let's say oh, that. Oh God, I don't know. I don't know one. Not one? No. Not Ranveer Singh? No, you know, he's not He's not what he projects. Not really? at all. No. He's wow. not that ball of energy. He's quite a... He's actually the most extroverted introvert I know. Uh, uh, I, I actually expected that answer, but... Mm. Uh, a guy who you feel has the stronger, strongest Riz game, which is charisma. Oh, Riz game. Uh, uh, Ran Ranbir Singh. Yeah. <laughs> Great charisma. So charismatic. A man who has been eating and leaving no crumbs on the ramp. I would say again Ranveer, but I think that's very talked about in his fashion. But I would say uh, he's not on the ramp, but I think he's very fashionable as Ranbir Kapoor. I like yeah. that he's very like, uh, he's classic. He and Saif are like classic fashionable men. A man who makes you blush. John Abraham. 
Really? Because of his dimples? <laughs> no. I just, he's very like, he's, he's like, he's just like that guy who walked out with yellow shorts. Uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that's actually very true. Uh, a man who has been a great listener to you. I'm the listener in any yeah. relationship. I don't talk for anyone to listen. Mm. And the man who makes you feel safe or feel at home. Again, Shah Rukh. Is there a sexier man than Shah Rukh Khan? Uh, to me, I never look at him uh, like he says. I of know course. he has a sex appeal. He's like he's so got he's got so much big brother energy in my life. Yeah. To me, sex appeal has nothing to do with the work you do in the gym. It's yeah. to do with like the personality, and of course, where there is personality, that the second word for that is Shah Rukh Khan. Yeah. Um, he's incredibly sexy, like in that way. Yeah. Not personally to me, because as I said, he's like bada bhaiya. But I get why. The world thinks he's the sexiest man, so I don't want anybody else to wear that crown. <laughs> Only the Bacha should have that crown. <laughs> so, Karan, our last section is this uh, another wholesome section that we have called the compliment jar. Oh, these are. So, this has come from the internet. This, some of it has also come from the people around us. K three G K K S S T Y will always be my favorite, but Bombay talkies will always be closest to my heart. For a fourteen-year-old queer boy who secretly downloaded uh, and watched it. and it made me feel seen it was my broke back mountain moment like yours thank you for unapologetically being yourself and having this impact on me and all young queer boys of india i'm so glad uh, it did i'm so glad that this means a lot to me yeah. um because i think the idea to make that film was to talk about repressed sexuality and there is that that lies in abundance in our society and i hope that many people can be able to talk about their sexuality or their sexual preferences with a lot of abandon uh, as opposed to repression even after being so trolled or being so successful he always remains calm with a sense of humbleness and smartness he's a man with profound knowledge but the but he lands up in tough places because of the circumstances he tends to carry with him um I love this observation and I'm very <laughs> grateful for this observation and thank you that someone gets me and my life. I'm very grateful for this and I have to just fold my hands and say thank you that somebody understands this. He spoke truth when he says at the end that his home is where he feels confined. His public image is oppressive in his private space. Hope he finds truly a safe space. Well, I think I have. Yeah. I think I have found my safe space in my own bedroom with my own thoughts. I've noticed Karan is always so hilarious and always so brutally honest at the same time whatever he says always hits close home. I am 80% of the time honest. Yeah. Um and humor I use as I as a defense device. You are the Madonna of India reinventing with grace and perfect attitude. Well, uh, <laughs> Madonna is part of my childhood. Um he's candid, funny, he's articulate, great understanding of human behavior and very very entertaining. His interviews are always so much fun to watch. Thank you. What do I say? Um, uh, I have no, no observation but gratitude to yeah. this. There's a lot. We found such sweet comments also. I I'm mean, glad. I mean, who are so these people who have found sweet comments? Because I have looked <laughs> and I haven't been able to find more than three. I want to tell you. So whoever has done the lucky, I'm very grateful to you. Uh, because mostly these would look like they were made up. Because I mean, I don't. I'm not used to reading nice things about myself. So I'm very grateful that there is something nice and written there. Thank you, Nikhil. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for watching Bia Mania with you have with Karan Johar and please follow Bia Yuva on all social media platforms. This conversation is also going to be out on all streaming platforms so please do give it a listen.